Hello, thanks for tuning in to episode 7 of the Wilkes-Barre Connect podcast, a series that brings you local entrepreneurs, young professionals, and students that are leaving their mark in northeastern Pennsylvania. We are your hosts, Mariah Curtis and Nick Nsinga. Our guest for episode 7 is Helen Lavelle, the owner of Lavelle Strategy Group. The Wilkes-Barre Connect podcast is brought to you by Pepper Jam. Headquartered in downtown Wilkes-Barre, Pepper Jam is a performance marketing solutions provider redefining its category through innovative technology and service expertise. For more information, check them out at pepperjam.com. So Lavelle Strategy Group, what do you guys do there? Well, Lavelle Strategy Group has been around, Nick, for quite some time. We're a full-service marketing, advertising, and public relations firm. All right. So how has your passion for the fine arts helped you establish and grow your company, Lavelle Strategy Group? I think that's really a great question. Um, It's interesting. I think that goes right back to my history, Mariah, because um, I launched my career in Philadelphia. Um, (laughs) I'm smiling to myself when I think of of, uh, how fate works. But I, uh, I launched my career in Philadelphia as a television producer, um, art director, okay. and promotion artist, was picked up by John Wanamaker, and had done a series of promotions for uh, Ralph Lauren, before Ralph Lauren was Ralph Lauren. Oh my gosh. And, <laughs> and you guys are a little bit on the young side, but I'm sure you've heard this name before, Halston. Mm-hmm. So I actually was responsible for... Um, one promotion within John Wanamaker in Philadelphia, which was like the she-she department store of actually the United States at the time. And for women who were purchasing couture gowns, my role was to do an instant drawing of that woman in the gown as part of the promotion and a gift from Halston or Ralph Lauren at the time. Oh, wow. So as a direct result of that, I was doing courtroom illustration in Philadelphia and murder trials. I'm doing, I just have, have that uh, background that is both in verbal communications and in art. The passion for art has stayed with me for my entire career. And I launched my advertising agency actually thinking that I was going to be doing a lot of art making, which is absolutely a lie. (laughs) That did not happen. I was running a business. So hopefully I answered your question. (laughs) Yes, I think so. So then how did you end up back here in Scranton if you were established down there in Philly? Yeah, well, I was. it's interesting, a series of events. And because I'm from northeastern Pennsylvania originally. Okay. I think that all roads lead back to Northeast Pennsylvania. I had a beautiful young daughter. She was used to seeing the tall ships, you know, go down the Delaware River in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. She was used to, you know, walking outside and being able to go to any museum or do whatever she wanted to do, but she had no idea what it felt like to roll down a hill into a pile of leaves like (laughs) we do. And I think there's something to be said for that kind of an experience too. So we made the choice to come back home temporarily. But when I came home, I loved being here. I knew the proximity to Philadelphia and New York where most of my business was being conducted. And I decided to make my home right here. Well, it was a good choice because it is a great area. It is indeed. Um, So you are described as an advocate by many. What organizations do you support? Well, it's very interesting. That's a great question. I am an advocate on many levels. Um, but my heart and soul is in the area of addiction advocacy. I believe that uh, addiction is robbing us of our best and our brightest. I believe that uh, it's important for us to focus on recovery 
and assisting people who have struggled with the disease of alcoholism or chemical dependency, that it's we all have a responsibility to understand that we're dealing with people with the disease who need help and even more importantly, their families who need who need help. Right. So Absolutely. I have invested a lot of my personal time in and for many decades actually into making a difference in that arena, which by the way was not popular at any point until most recently when people understood that there's an opiate opioid crisis that's Absolutely. killing us. Right. You know? So that that's a big part of what I do. I also there are organizations that align with um that kind of passion, that kind of thinking, and those organizations are supported by me as well. So arts organizations, and then other organizations that you know uh, that deserve my my support, like the Women's Resource Center, um, like well, like right here, the Think, Center, the Think yeah. Center. This is really important to me. My I have a passion for assisting young people who want to move ahead and understand that they can do anything that they want to do in this world and live right here in Wilkes-Barre. That's really important for, especially for you guys to know. Definitely, yeah. yeah thank you. Um, so speaking of organizations, what is the extent of your involvement with the Recovery Bank? Well, that's an interesting thing. The Recovery Bank, let me start by saying the Recovery Bank is a peer-centered recovery support center, a peer-driven Recovery Support Center, located uh, at 120 Wyoming Avenue in Scranton. I was asked, because I've always been very public about um, uh, my passion about this category, and um, my advocacy skill set was recognized a long time ago by people who were trying to make a difference. For example, our judicial system. For example, our treatment centers, for example, foundations that were trying to do something, for example, um, uh, government relations folks that understood, boy, we are in, in the middle of a crisis, we need help here. So I was asked if I would join the Recovery Bank's vision team and put together this, this unique, one-of-a-kind, exists nowhere else, not like we did it in Scranton, um, a recovery support center for folks who are benefiting in so many different ways. Um, the recovery bank is is really special because people who uh, have not have have not have talents that have yet to be discovered, people who have lost their ability to to have a job, people who have um, just been down and out people who are struggling and need help, everyone is can and is welcome at the Recovery Bank, and we have so many su- support services to assist, including a Healing Through the Arts program. So could you yeah. tell us a little bit more uh, more about that? Sure. The, um, the healing, well, first of all, let me talk about the constituents, if it's okay, Mariah. So Absolutely. we help we we in in our uh, recovery community know that there are certain folks who have greater needs. Um, for example, our veterans population right now. So through the Robert Spitz Foundation, we are able to provide services um, at the recovery bank for our veterans that are in our market. And for example, you know these guys and gals will they don't even know oftentimes what is available to them 
to assist them with getting through day to day what benefits exist because they served our country so well, but they have no idea what is available for them to move their lives and the lives of their families forward. I love that. The other, because um, those, those folks who are early on in recovery, for example, we have Recovery 101 um, groups that are being led by folks who have long-term recovery, um, peer-centered. We also have a lot of evidence-based programming that's going on. Um, we have workshops that are that are being done by folks who are from our community. We're educated outside of the market. We have physicians and nurse practitioners and college professors and um, uh, program partners like Outreach Center for Community Resources. We have all different types of resources, program partners that are coming in. People are collaborating all over the place. But the arts part of it is one of my favorite parts because um, I'm just thinking of something that you would find interesting, both of you, uh, Nick. The, the, uh, there's a, a gentleman who's a rear admiral um, who j had conducted research around healing through the arts for folks who have experienced substance abuse and who are in recovery. Okay. And he said, if you, and he runs the Walter Reed Medical Center, this gentleman. So, and I, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but the research that he conducted, um, after he got finished with it, he said, anecdotally, if, if you told me 30 years ago that arts programming would assist someone in recovery in, in the following ways, denial reduction, an ability to communicate on a, on a deeper level, an ability to stay away from drugs and alcohol, and a, a way to have relationships with families, to your, build your family relationships again, I would have told you all you had a fever, that yeah, that would crazy. never happen. And he is so thrilled by the fact that um, the arts are assisting people. And at the Recovery Bank, I'm the chair of the Healing Through the Arts Committee. And the Healing Through the Arts Committee, um, it, it, and it's awesome what we're doing. For example, we, are, we have theater arts. Uh, we are doing filmmaking. We're going to be doing podcasts That's from right. the Recovery <laughs> Bank. I would like to invite you to come up Absolutely. to do a podcast. We would guest podcast. We, we would love to have you. We would love that. We, we, we would love to have you. Um, we're doing workshops with our, our folks who want to are interested in moving forward forward in these arenas. We we are working with the Fringe Festival in Scranton Amazing. and yes. we are we are doing scene study classes with award winning directors and writers and producers. Um, Paige Belitsky, who runs Diva Productions in Scranton, is doing a show. The Recovery Bank is producing it. Um, Paige is going to direct it. Our own um, members are going to be writing and sharing their stories. Actors wow. within the community, either in recovery, not in recovery, or friends of recovery are going to be participating. All this is knocking the stigma down. Because guess what? The time for keeping all of this a secret is long gone. And 100%. what we're doing is focused on the hope and the positive part uh, of the epidemic that we're in, the pandemic that we're, we are in. And we're focused more on let's see what we could do to enhance people's lives. And we're loving doing that. I actually also have um, 
there are 12 artists who have stepped up who are either in recovery or friends of recovery, some of whom are on the Pennsylvania Council for the Arts, um, who these people are international award winners. And every twice a month, um, we do drawing from life and drawing from within, where our members get to work side by side with other practicing artists to explore the human figure and what that feels like on one hand in, on, in one week, and then to go within. So we're drawing from life, um, that double entendre that exists there, and then drawing from within, um, and being able to communicate in a way that they haven't before. Then we also have other types of arts programming, but we also have arts programming that connects with the sciences like art therapy, music therapy. We have one of our, one of our constituents is doing basic guitar lessons. You never saw so many people oh. taking guitar lessons in your life. Right. That's <laughs> then, then we do practices like yoga and meditation and mindfulness. We have a, a, um, a clinical psychologist, uh, Tiffany Griffiths, who entered into an agreement with us where she's going to be doing programming on mindfulness. She's only one of three people in northeastern Pennsylvania who has the designation to wow. teach. Mindfulness is a term that's thrown about too loosely. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? There are people who practice mindfulness and meditation who really have been trained appropriately. And if you're a friend of recovery, you are welcomed into the recovery bank to, to uh, uh, enjoy these services for free. It's wow. fully supported. And that's the thing. Our funders we're looking for, which is um, Community Care Behavioral Health and the Northeast Pennsylvania uh, Coalition on Healthcare, they came together to help us make a difference in a way that hasn't been tried before or tested before. There are other peer recovery support centers. Uh, don't get me wrong, there are. And actually, when we were developing our own, we went to North Philadelphia and we went to Bucks County. You couldn't get two more polar extremes yeah. in terms of population, but the one thing everyone has in common is if your heart and soul is in it and you want it, you get to have it, but you need other people to help support you, and that's what we're doing. But we're doing it our way. We're doing it We're doing it in a way that we believe will make a difference, our peers, you know? And everyone is welcome. No, No one is excluded for any reason at all, and I love that part of it. That's amazing. So then kind of a follow-up question. Um, what do you believe is our obligations as humans to one another, seeing as you're all about supporting and, like, getting people back on their feet? Um, what's your take on that? Well, I love that question, Nick, because there's no – I'm telling you, with every year that passes, this is what I know. We are here for one purpose. As you know, I am an entrepreneur. I had a, 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 a tremendously successful career. You know, I, I was chair of the American Advertising Federation. You know, 50,000 members nationwide, uh, uh, a chick from Scranton, Pennsylvania. You know, <laughs> actually, Avoca, Pennsylvania. So Hell yeah, I'm from he, DuPont. There you, <laughs> there you go, Mariah. So, that, and so, so I want you to pay attention to that. But this is what's important. We are here for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to love each other and to help each other through what it is that is the next thing, next challenge for you. So in your case, I'm looking at both of you, all three of you actually, and, and realizing like here we have these young professionals that deserve to be able to work, to have a healthy 
make a healthy living in northeastern Pennsylvania, to bring your creative talents right to the forefront and to be able to do anything you want. And the beauty of what you get to do now, when I was coming up and you were from, I had to fight A, being a woman, number one, in my industry, and B, being in Scranton, Pennsylvania, where I opened the agency, um, I had clients in New York and Philadelphia all along. But you're from Scranton? That would be the question. You're from, you know, you're, you're in a situation now where you can conduct business globally and be right here in Wilkes-Barre. And I love that for you. I love that. I love that for me. And I mm-hmm. love that for those who I have trained who are coming behind me, you know? Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, you said, um, yeah, being struggling, being a woman doing it. Um, yeah. I noticed your whole firm, is it true, like, you're all women? Like, it's <laughs> straight <it> women? <laughs> Well, I just found that very fascinating that it's a whole group of women running this business. I found yeah. that really interesting. Yeah, we have we have had. I, I used to um, I used to kid. I have had an art director who has retired. I loved him to pieces. As a matter of fact, he came down here and helped me launch the Think Center, one of the programs down awesome. here a long time ago. We were actually competing on different teams, and of course, our team won. Oh. I have All to right. say, I love that. <laughs> but um, you know, we we have been predominantly women from the beginning. Um, that is not to say that if the, the right guy didn't come along because I have, I've had to operate in a man's world in advertising. I would be, I mean, I remember my first account that I received, it was a financial institution in, um, Scranton. I went in and pitched a board of directors and it was all middle-aged white men. And I came from Philly. The last place I lived was Philly. And it was remarkable how, how that hit me it was whoa this is this is wild um i have i have fabulous women working for us now and i think that's kind of the transition because more women have come into this category in the last 15 years than have ever before because there was room for them to grow and the reason is because in the advertising industry we thrive on finding young great talent that's how a business stays in business and i have young great talent with more women having come in but i do want to say this i have a fabulous male intern right now who i love um alex and he is actually uh not only a a male but he's also a veteran and a very fine graphic designer young veteran, love having them. So I, I don't think there's any sexism in Lavelle Strategy <laughs> Group. And I especially know that there's not from a personal perspective because I am the oldest of 10 children and there are five boys and five girls. Wow. And we were all treated the same and we were all shown that uh, you know every single one of us had talents, gifts, and were important in this world. That is so cool. So five and five. Five and five. That is so awesome. So speaking of your nine siblings, um, how has being the eldest of nine siblings given you the ability to successfully lead your your team at your company? Well, I had nine of the most colorful siblings that you could ever <laughs> imagine. And um, I wouldn't trade one of them. They were unbelievable. What a brood my mother and father had. Um <laughs> Being the eldest brought a lot of responsibility that I could never put into words. There are there are really are no words to talk about what that responsibility was like. 
I was I spent a lot of time nurturing, teaching, caring for, taking care of basic human needs, you know, feeding babies, making dinners, cleaning, keeping everybody safe, protecting everyone. And I kind of went through my my life like that. And obviously, that's where I ended up. (laughs) So quite frankly, orchestrating, um, orchestrating a a team of creatives uh, is very difficult. I want you to know that when you are managing a team of creatives, it's next to impossible. However, if you uh, are the oldest of 10 children, it isn't that bad. <laughs> You've had plenty of experience. Yeah, I've had I've had plenty of experience. So, how did that shape your um, style, and how would you describe your style of leadership? Well, I think that uh, I made some mistakes as a sister, uh, because I think that that what happens when you're the oldest kid, um, for me, and I had to learn this over time. I realized, I, I didn't want to believe that my brothers and sisters, I think, were growing up. So, and I was used to dealing with our our brood collectively a lot of times because that's kind of how you have to do it. So I, I learned really valuable lessons from being the oldest and, and making some mistakes that each one, and when I recognize that each, each one of my brothers and sisters, and that was easy to recognize, everyone is a distinctive personality. Everyone is, every one of us is completely different than the one that came before. Yet there's some um, part about us that is just so much the same, so much the same. And I feel blessed by all of that. Um, but I dealt with I, mistakes I made were dealing with maybe sometimes the, the brood collectively. That can't work. That doesn't work. You know, I have I have younger brothers and sisters that came up and that are great adults that have, and I needed to understand that they were adults and that they were responsible for their own lives and they were doing. They certainly could handle them without me running the show. Do you know what I mean? So I, there were kind of things like that that I had to learn. That made me a better leader because I recognize, and it makes me made me a better leader with my team because. I believe that every single person that works at Lavelle Strategy Group and every single person that I work with, even even in volunteer capacities, has some kind of unique gift or talent that needs to be brought forward. That's where I think I excel. I can identify it, I can nurture it, and I can bring it out of you. And you will succeed if I have a shot at you. So <laughs> that's the other thing, because I am demanding being, being um, uh, because we're, we have responsibility to our clients, uh, a tremendous, it's a tremendous responsibility to our clients. And they know, and they say oftentimes, the reason that we entrust our business with you, Helen, and the team at Lavelle Strategy Group is that oftentimes you care more about our business than we do. Than we do. <laughs> and that, uh, that more than one client has said that to us, which is interesting, you know? That is interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> Speaks loudly about your, yeah. your group of team. We, we care. <laughs> so um, as an entrepreneur, <clears throat> what advice would you give other entrepreneurs on leading their employees? Get out of your own way. <laughs> really. I've seen too many people lose too much because they can't get out of their own way. Um, I don't have all the answers, and I know I don't have all the answers. I, I recognize, I always say that I love that. I, I love that if you're an art director, 
You can write a line of copy. You know what needs to be said. We just had we just had a team meeting where a bunch of us from all different areas, financial, accounting, um, the creative team, writers, we had videographers present for, we, we had this huge day of production before I got here. So we were doing some um, uh, production, but in between two different shoots at two different locations, we're coming together because we have deadlines that are going on. And I said, listen, guys, we need to focus on this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm telling you, they know how I feel. And a great idea can come from any one of us. It's not just, I don't need, I don't need a headline written by a writer all the time. I need somebody to, uh, somebody in accounting can come up with something great. Mm -hmm. You know, what is preventing someone from staying out of his or her own way is ego. And it is a feeling that, that nobody else is capable. That's absolutely not true. Everyone is capable. Everyone. At our company, we do a lot of that too, where we kind of just open the floor with just creative ideas. And, you know, like everybody is allowed to elaborate on it and kind of bounce off of each other creatively too, which is really cool. Yeah, you find better ideas that way. Like you can build off of just one concept. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I always say, you know, We'll tease each other. I mean, something will come, roll out of somebody's mouth that you're thinking, like, where <laughs> the hell did that yeah, come right? from? Yeah, right? But what we'll, do, what we'll do is just like roll with it, just completely roll with it. We just, I just called a colleague of mine on the way here to say, okay, you don't have to worry about anything because while you were out, and she was killing herself all day on this campaign, and I said, while you were out, we had, there was a germ of an idea that was planted here we started doing things. I started imitating a celebrity. And then all of a sudden, we were like, oh, my God, there it is. And you know, you're creatives and you have to produce. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. Collaborative, collaborative relationships that where people are respected. You know, that's the most important thing. The most important thing. Um, so since the beginning of your career in advertising, um, how has the advertising industry changed with all of its advancements? Oh, it's not even remotely, remotely the same as when I started. Not even remotely. As a matter of fact, it is changing every five minutes. Um, imagine, just just take a look at the way people consume media now. My friends in the television industry have heard me for many years before it happened. Um, my friends in the newspaper industry have heard me Many years before it happened, the toothpaste was already out of the tubes for the the newspaper industry. If people didn't understand that people were going to consume media um, by by harnessing the technology that was around them, they were going to that. That's what happened in the category, which was heartbreaking because I love print, you know. And we're fortunate still that we have some really great uh, newspapers in our our market, but. There are, I mean, we're talking about major players that went out of business because of the digital revolution. So there's that part. There's that part. People are consuming media in a completely different way. No one, my friends in television are going to be mad at me, but no one, in, especially in, you know, a millennial, is not watching television. They are not watching television. They do not consume media by watching a television set. No. Do you? 
Do you? (laughs) Do you? Netflix, right. Yeah. No. So I am here with four young folks who, you know, it's it's a perfect way to 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 say that, you know, and I am myself not so young, but I don't consume media (laughs) that way either. (laughs) And it's it's interesting because um, again, we're in a wonderful media market, especially for local news delivery. Like seriously. Nobody does it better than we do it here. I mean, it's crazy, crazy. I buy media across the country. Northeastern Pennsylvania's media, in terms of delivering local news, is comparable to any other uh, uh, place in the country for being able to do it right, you know? Not all the time. We know that. And we smile and we say, oh, my God. But... (laughs) You know, I think that the the thing about um, the thing about the changes are, you know, that the the consumption of media is different. I think the messaging has to be different. You guys started asking me questions that had to do with advocacy, that had to do with how we feel about each other, that had to do with what. Why would you buy something um, if it's not related to a cause, or there wasn't a purpose to it, or that it wasn't it wasn't creating something that was positive, like the recovery bank. You know, I have these artists that stepped up to the recovery bank and rather than they're, they're donating a percentage of the proceeds of the sales of any of their artwork, which can be shown anywhere in the world. Trust me when I tell you, you guys have to come up to see this exhibit. So when you, when you see it and you're, you're viewing it and to know that that's why they're doing it, is because they there's a need to give back and there's a level of understanding and it's because of of uh, I believe that it's because of technology that we're moving back in that direction. I mean that really is who we are in northeastern Pennsylvania anyway. It is we care about each other here. Um, I always say that if you say something to anybody in northeastern Pennsylvania, look, there's a need here. Here's the need and here's where the money's going. Somebody will say, how can I help? That's that's the basis to any fundraising campaign if you do it in, in Northeast PA. There is a need, and where's the money going? And then and then follow through from there. Make sure it's connected to something that's meaningful, that will, that will cause great change. Um, we have an opportunity here with the, the way the business has changed to make even a greater statement than we've ever had before, you know? Because we have to come up with creative solutions, but that are meaningful, you know, that are meaningful to get our clients noticed. Meaningful. Definitely. Yeah. Um, So with the knowledge and experience that you have now from running your business, what advice would you have given yourself as you were starting out on your entrepreneurial journey? I think I would have given myself the same advice that I'm giving people now. Stay out of your own way. You know, it takes a while. Um, You know, when you start out, you have, my heels would be dug in. I was so idealistic. I still am, you know. (laughs) I um, I was more interested, and I still am, in doing the next right thing in making sure that that uh, the nothing that left our, our office was less than award-winning. And, not, and I used to tell my team, look, you can't eat awards and neither can our clients. Our job is to make the needle move for them, whatever that may mean, whether it's getting someone elected to, to a, the office of a public servant, 
which is a great responsibility, or if you were selling a product or service, or if you were moving one of our accounts, as we have, from you know a privately held company to publicly traded on on you know the stock exchange, you know there were there are, we've had an inordinate amount of experience that we've done right here, but the the getting out of your own way, thing, that that kind of thinking, cuts across everything. So. Um, the other thing, the other thing that a piece of advice, and I walk into our office just about every day, and I say, "Good morning, everyone," and then I'll say, "What do we need to say today? To whom do we need to say it? And how are we going to say it to that person, that client, that vendor, that?" And it all starts with "Thank you." Period. Thank you. We could none of us could be in this business unless we did not have those kinds of relationships with each other. It could it would not happen. It would not happen. Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely need to appreciate everyone you have. Oh, totally. And those folks that you do business with, you know. And right. I'm not talking just about clients. Lavelle Strategy Group cannot do what we do. We can't win all those awards. We can't have all those great clients. We can't be doing work all over the country. We can't have the reputation that we have. We cannot do that without partners in the business, whether they be printers, whether they be television sales reps, whether they be an event planner that we're working with, whether it be a venue that we're working with, whether it be the musician that we hire for a special event that we're running, whether it be, I mean, it really cuts across everything. And that's one of the reasons that the recovery bank is so successful because those people who think like we think um, are able to attract people. They're coming to us to say, we want in. How can we help? We want to be a part of this because we're making change. We're change agents here. And I think that um, when you're up against, when you're, when anyone is up against something like uh, addiction or you're, you're, you have um, alcoholism or chemical dependency in your family or your friends. I mean, I know you guys have had, have, have had to have lost friends because everyone, <laughs> I can't, the, the numbers are too great, you know, 159% higher um, drug overdose deaths in, in Lackawanna County than it was two years ago, 159% higher. You know, so I'm just saying that, you know, someone who's addicted who wants to get well needs to get out of his or her own way, too. And the family member needs to get out of the way of the addict, get out of the way and concentrate on yourself. Because trust me, I am I, I will um, self-reveal. I'm a person in long term recovery myself, 33 years on the family side. And I needed to stay in my own lane and realize that because of um, being in, in living um, with people that I love that were suffering, I needed to stay in my own lane and recognize that the impact on me was just as great and that I could be just as nuts, you know? So it's really important. And getting out of my own way was important on a personal level. Getting out of one's own way in anything that you're doing because we don't all have all the answers and we cannot do any of it alone. Mm -hmm. 
So on a different note, to wrap things up, what is your favorite activity you enjoy doing here in NEPA? Painting. Painting. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt about that. I love to paint. I paint in NEPA. It's one of my favorite places to paint, I have mm -hmm. to tell you. I paint at a, a, a wonderful um, farm for a couple weeks a year called Spring Hills Farm in Dalton. Oh, it's Dalton. Phenomenal. It's beautiful. it's beautiful. It's a beautiful farm. Ironically, Nick, run by four sisters. Right. <laughs> right? Which is really interesting when I come to think of it, you know. But um, I, I love the idea of um, what we have to offer. We have the most pristine and beautiful uh, nature. Sunsets. Um, sunsets. Intoxicating. Everything. They are. <laughs> they really speaking are. of speaking of yeah, get drunk on the sunset because <laughs> oh, let me way. tell you, you can't you can't get what we have. No. Really. And when people visit here, they go nuts. They go crazy because they can't believe how fabulous it is. But I paint with a group of artists that come together and travel to from all over the world uh, to come to northeastern Pennsylvania to paint oh, in wow. in northeastern Pennsylvania for a couple weeks a year, a couple times a year. So the other things that I love to do in northeastern Pennsylvania is to attend every theatrical performance that I can. People who think that we don't have anything to do are not oh, looking. We do, yeah. Yeah, Definitely, they're yeah. not looking. Um, music, theater, anything that's arts-related, I love. I love. And I love to, to do First Fridays. I love to do, I love to walk around. With what Wilkes-Barre has going on with um, Wyoming Valley Art League, Arts League, Yes. And the Circle Center for the Arts. I mean, I've shown my, exhibited my work there, which is phenomenal. So you guys have such a great opportunity for the arts in Wilkes-Barre. That's like so exciting for me to see, to see that happening for you. Um, it was great because I invited a lot of friends to come down to the Wyoming Valley Arts League because I could not believe how phenomenal the work was and what the programming was. So just have to throw that, that <laughs> plug out. So that's what I love to do. Nice. nice. Well, Helen, thanks again for um, stopping by and sharing a beautiful insight on everything you do. Wonderful. Yes, it's been my pleasure, Nick and Mariah. Thank you very much thank for you. having me. Yes, thank, thank you. you. The Wilkes-Barre Connect podcast is brought to you by Pepper Jam. Headquartered in downtown Wilkes-Barre, Pepper Jam is a performance marketing solutions provider, redefining its category through innovative, technology, and service expertise. For more information, check them out at pepperjam.com. Well, that does it for episode seven of the Wilkes-Barre Connect podcast. We want to thank Helen Lavelle for joining us today. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Pepper Jam, for allowing us to share with you this podcast. Make sure you tune in for episode eight. We're your hosts, Mariah Curtis. And Nick Nsinga. And, and thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening to the Wilkes-Barre Connect, Connect podcast. podcast.